Let's just bow our heads together in prayer. Oh, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for our hearts that are full and overflowing with your love and with your joy and, Lord, with your peace tonight. Lord, we are unworthy. We don't deserve to be experiencing what we are tonight. But, Lord, we want to say thank you, and we want to thank you for Jesus. God, we confess that this life, we find it pretty difficult to live. We find it difficult to say, I'm going to die to myself and take up my cross, whatever that cross is tonight, and choose to follow Jesus. But yet, God, I believe that under the sound of my voice tonight, there are brothers and sisters who, do, who want to do just that. There are some here tonight, Lord, whose hearts are heavy and they're burdened. If not for their own soul, Lord, for the souls of those around them. God, you are very well aware of it. And I pray that tonight as, as we come together as brothers and sisters in that bond of fellowship, that bond in Christian love, that Jesus, that tie that binds us together could be met tonight. And that it could receive power and it could receive blessing. And it would go out, Lord, and it would touch the souls of those who are lost and who are seeking something on the barren hills tonight. I pray, O oh Father, that they would not just see our good works and our glorify our gathering together here tonight, but that they would glorify our Father who we worship even tonight, our Father which is in heaven. Father, I just pray that your Holy Spirit would come and meet our hearts, meet our needs, meet the burdens of our lives. Help us, Lord, to find rest, find peace if we're struggling tonight. I pray for encouragement for those who are sincerely seeking you but are struggling, still wrestling, still wondering. God, meet their minds, meet their hearts tonight. Bring them to yourself. Hold them close. We pray, Father, that any strongholds that's holding us back could be broken in the name of Jesus and there could be freedom. Help us, Lord, to fill ourselves up with this truth. Help us to write it upon our hearts, this truth that as we embrace it, sets us free. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. So just two things that, are, that I'm going to say before we start, get started tonight. And one is my good friend, Brother Delmer, is back here on my right. Good to see you, Brother. Thank you so much for your support and your encouragement and coming out tonight. Uh, brother Delmer and I went to Bible school. Uh, brother Allen... Back there in 2006, he was another one of those 70 that would pass that window. And that's where we had met, actually, back in Pennsylvania. We actually traveled out together, but that was the first we had met. And I consider him a, a good brother. It's been a while since we've been able to connect, but looking forward to catching up a little bit after the service. And secondly, Brother Dennis, I just have to ask, what is in this water? It wasn't me, it was Ethan. It wasn't me, it was Ethan. Boy, you're, you're, you're playing the Adam and Eve game. We're just passing it on to the next person, huh? It's good, but it's got a little bit of a twang to it. I guess there's some ginger ale maybe in this water. Is that what? I'll let Ethan confess later. How about that? Okay. Confession is good for the soul. Okay. All right. Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. The title of the message tonight is Run the Race. The race that we're called to tonight, run it. And it's, it's easy. My heart is close to those of you here who are here tonight and are burdened, who are struggling, who are wrestling with what is God's will for my life? What does that straight and narrow life look like that we're called to? Broad and wide is the way for the 
crowd that wants to forsake dying to self and living for Jesus. Straight and narrow is the way that you and I are called to tonight, which means that the path gets pretty narrow. There's not a lot of people traveling that path tonight. We're called to a race here in Hebrews chapter 12 that teaches us what it looks like to run effectively for Christ. And we're living in a time where there's many a person that's throwing in the towel and saying it's too difficult. It's too hard. I can't keep going. It's costing me way too much. I'm not able to handle this on my own. And they're right. We're not able to handle it on our own. We're not able to make it on our own. Many have. Society has wandered so far from God. Has wandered so far from God. Sin and pleasure has snuck into our families It has snuck into our homes. It has snuck into our churches. And we wonder sometimes as sincere young people, older ones alike tonight, we wonder, how can I stand effectively for Christ? How can I live my life wholeheartedly for Jesus Christ in a redemptive manner, in a way that there is pure light coming from my life because of the love of Christ that's flowing through me? How can I stand strong and not be one of my friends who is saying it's too difficult. I ask you tonight, if you would give up following Jesus, where would you go? And why would you go? Where could we go tonight but to the Lord with all of our needs, with all of our problems, with all of our heartaches, with all of our cares? Where would we go but to the Lord? And the more I want to follow Jesus, the more it's hard for me to understand how my sinner friends make it through each day. It is, it, is, it is so hard for me sometimes to be able to just focus and give it to Jesus, cast all of my cares upon him because he does care for me. And to believe that in my heart that he says, take my yoke upon me and learn of me for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He wants us to be free in Jesus. He doesn't want us to have any chains holding us bound tonight. He doesn't desire that, that we'd have strongholds that's keeping us back from running the race that is set before us. And so I'm just going to ask the question, and I'm going to ask you not to raise your hands, but how many of you have been tempted since you have put your faith in Jesus, since you have decided that you want to live for Jesus Christ, how many of you have been tempted to give it up? And then you know what, I'm going to change that. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand if you've been tempted to give it up. I just want to see an honest answer here tonight. Anybody? Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. There's some of you that haven't. God bless you. Did you notice my hand was raised? There are times when life gets so dark, so difficult, so hard. And sometimes there's so much grayness that it becomes confusing and it becomes really frustrating we find ourselves weighed down. Our shoulders are sagging. Our faces are, are drawn. We don't have a smile. There's not a joy in our lips, a joy in our life. There's not a song on our lips. I want to encourage you tonight. This message is to bring you encouragement if you're one of those. Hebrews chapter 12. Verse 1 says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. Ye have not yet resisted unto blood, striving against sin, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto him un, unto you as unto children. My son, despise not thou the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked of him. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. If ye endure chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, whereof all are partakers, then are ye bastards and not sons. Furthermore, we have had fathers of our flesh which corrected us, and we gave them reverence. Shall we not much rather be in subjection unto the Father of spirits and live? For they verily for a few days chastened us after their own pleasure. But he, God, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but rather grievous. Nevertheless, as we endure that, as we overcome that, afterward it yieldeth the peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them which are exercised thereby. Verses 12 and 13 yet says, Wherefore lift up the hands which hang down, and the feeble knees, and make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way, but let it rather be healed. Lift up your faces, redemption draweth nigh. Keep your eyes on Jesus, remember that you're not alone in this battle. And the Hebrew writer here gives us some points that we can look at tonight to find joy, to find excitement, to find some joy and peace in running this race that we're called to run. I have a story in poetic form that I'm going to read to you tonight. It's called The Race. A young man who now was no longer young, but he grew up. But at one point in his life, he was ready to throw, it, throw in the towel and give it all up. And he says he remembers this voice that spoke to him, these words. Quit. Give up. You're beaten. They shout at me and plead, he says. There's just too much against you now. This time you can't succeed. He said, as I started to hang my head in front of failure's face, my downward fall was broken by the memory of of a race. And hope refilled my weakened will as I recall that scene, for just the thought of that short race rejuvenates my being. A children's race, young boys, young men. How I remember well, excitement, sure, but also fear. It wasn't hard to tell. They all lined up so full of hope, each thought to win that race, or tie for first, or if not that, at least take second place. And daddies watched from off the side, each cheering for his son. And each boy hoped to show his dad that he would be the one. And the whistle blew and off they went, young hearts and hopes of fire. To win and be the hero there was each young boy's desire. And one boy in particular, whose dad was in the crowd, was running near the lead and thought, my dad will be so proud. But as they sped down the field and across a shallow dip, the little boy who thought to win lost his step and slipped. Trying hard to catch himself, his hands flew out to brace, but mid the laughter of the crowd, he fell flat on his face. 
So down he fell, and with him hope. He couldn't win it now. Embarrassed. Sad. He only wished to disappear somehow. But as he fell, his dad stood up and showed his anxious face, which to the boy so clearly said, get up and win the race. He quickly rose, no damage done, behind a bit, that's all, and ran with all his mind and might to make up for his fall. So anxious to restore himself, to catch up and to win, his mind went faster than his legs. He slipped and fell again. He wished then he had quit before. With only one disgrace, I'm hopeless as a runner now. I shouldn't try to race. But in the laughing crowd, he searched, and he found his daddy's face. That steady look which said again, get up and win the race. So up he jumped to try again, ten yards behind the last. If I'm to gain those yards, he thought, I've got to move real fast. Exerting everything he had, he regained eight or ten, but trying so hard to catch the lead. You guessed it. He slipped and fell again. Defeat. He lay there silently. A tear dropped from his eye. There's no sense running anymore. Three strikes. I'm out. Why try? The will to rise had disappeared. All hope had fled away. So far behind, so error prone, a loser all the way. I've lost. So what's the use, he thought. I'll live with my disgrace. But then he thought about his dad, who soon he'd have to face. Get up, an echo sounded low. Get up and take your place. You were not meant for failure here. Get up and win the race. With borrowed will, get up, it said. You haven't lost at all, for winning is no more than this, to rise each time you fall. So up he rose to run once more and with a new commit. He resolved that win or lose, at least he wouldn't quit. So far behind the others now, the most he'd ever been. Still he gave it all he had and ran as though to win. Three times he'd fallen stumbling. Three times he rose again, too far behind to hope to win. But he still ran to the end. They cheered the winning runner as he crossed the line first place. Head high and proud and happy. No falling, no disgrace. But when the fallen youngster crossed the line last place... The crowd gave him the greater cheer for finishing the race. And even though he came in last with head bowed low, unproud, you would have thought he'd won the race to listen to the crowd. And to his dad, he sadly said, I didn't do too well. To me, you won, his daddy said. You rose each time you fail. And now, when things seem dark and hard and difficult to face, the memory of that little boy helps me in my race. For all of life is like that race, with ups and downs and all. And all we have to do to win is rise each time we fall. How many of us tonight are lying face down in the dirt, hearing those defeating words, give it up, quit, it's too difficult, you can't get up. Friends, tonight I plead with you, I implore with you, Look your eyes up into the eyes of Jesus Christ. He is our heavenly daddy saying, get up and run the race. I have called you son. I have called you daughter to run this race and run it successfully. Please 
And you can hear Jesus on the sidelines tonight, all around us in these pews tonight, saying, son, daughter, get up and run the race. Every one of us tonight can relate to the story of this young man, where we fall once, and we get back up, and we say, we're going to do better this time, and we end up going maybe for a little bit, and we stumble, and we fall again. And we get back up with some borrowed will and with some help of God, and we give God the glory, and we go a little bit further, and life becomes hard and difficult again, and we fall again. And you know, life is full of blessings and storms. Blessings and storms. And some of you tonight are in the blessings, and some of you are in the storms. But the message is still the same. Get up and run. Run the race. Please don't lie face down in the dirt and defeat tonight. Looking at Hebrews chapter 12, listen, look very carefully here. There's four points just in verse 1 that we as God's chosen ones tonight, God's called out ones rather, ones that are not worthy to be saved by the blood of Jesus, but ones that he has called us and said, I want you to serve me in my kingdom. Will you please? And we have the opportunity to say yes or no. You're saying yes tonight. Wherefore, in verse 1, look around you. It says, at all the great cloud of witnesses. Go back with me one chapter here in Hebrews chapter 11. What we know and what we call as the faith chapter. Listen carefully as I try to read quickly through some of these verses in Hebrews 11. Verse 1 says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. If we're going to run this race successfully, we must, must have faith. We have got to have faith in God. Verse 6 says this, Without faith it's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must first of all believe that He is. He's not just somebody that the preacher talks about. He's not just somebody that we talk about these words up in the high in the sky, by and by talk. It's not just something that's, that's fake. It's real. It's genuine. The person who believes that He is, then we also got to believe that He is a rewarder. Verse 6 says, Of them that diligently seek Him. We can't be half-heartedly seeking God tonight and expect to live in victory. We can't be partially seeking God tonight and expect ourselves to be walking faithfully with Him and for Him. We can't be expecting to be on our feet and running the race tonight if we are casually living our Christian life. He says, I will be a rewarder of them that diligently seek me. Diligently, wholeheartedly sold out to loving Jesus and being surrendered to what His call is in my life. And then you go and you see in verse 7, by faith Noah, a man who had faith. By faith Abraham in verse 8, a man of faith. You go down to verse 13, it says, these all. Well, you can go back to verse 5 and see that Enoch had faith. And Abel had faith in verse 4. These all died in faith, verse 13, and having received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed, listen friends, that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. That's a good concept tonight. Remember, we shouldn't feel at home here. Do you feel at home in this whole world? We're not supposed to feel at home. Heaven is our home. Heaven is our goal. That's our aim. That's where our our focus is tonight. We're just strangers and pilgrims here in your city, where you live, in Dayton, Virginia, in Harrisonburg, in Bridgewater, wherever your address is. You're just but a stranger and a pilgrim here. Verse 14 says, They that say such things... Prove their faith by declaring plainly that they seek a country. 
And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he hath prepared for them a city. And you continue reading, reading here, and you see more men who had faith. By faith, Abraham. By faith, Isaac. By faith, Jacob. By faith, Joseph. By faith, Moses. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin. For a season, he was willing to identify with the people of God instead of those who was willing to just involve themselves in the sins of this world. And then you go and you see by faith harlot Rahab in verse 31. Remember we talked about her. And verse 32 says, what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah and of David also and Samuel and of the prophets. He said there's many men who has gone before us who have, who have, who have uh, blazed the trail if you will of the path that you and I are called to follow tonight, of having faith in Almighty God. We're not alone in this journey. Somebody has walked this before us, not to mention Jesus, our Savior. I get excited about this, if you haven't noticed, about the race. So much of life is what we choose to dwell on, what we choose to focus on. Many of us are running by sight. We're bogged down by the circumstances of life. We're burdened about something that has been bothering us and we let it weigh us down because we haven't been casting our burdens on the Lord. And all friends, it's easy for me to stand here and preach it tonight with a smile on my face. But listen, tomorrow or Tuesday or Wednesday or whenever it might be this coming week, I I know that I'm prone to this very thing that I'm talking about. I'm prone to leave the God that I love. I know I live in the flesh just like you do. I battle with the flesh and spirit just like you do. But listen, if you feel like life is difficult tonight, continue continue reading with me here in verse 33. Think about what people faced, and yet they were willing to let their faith lead them. And they were not willing to compromise because of their faith. Verse 33 says, These people through faith subdued kingdoms. They wrought righteousness. They obtained promises. They stopped the mouths of lions. They quenched the violence of fire. They escaped the edge of the sword. Out of weakness were made strong. They waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again. And others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. You lose breath here. I mean, there's so much that was happening with these people of faith. Verse 36 said, Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn asunder. They were tempted. They were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Do you feel like your circumstances are really hard tonight? Have we been persecuted to this level as our faith? Maybe our faith isn't as strong as what these peoples were, the patriarchs of old. I'm not sure. And we can look. That's why we read the Bible, friends, because that's where we get our strength. That's what gives us the courage to not just hear in an audible voice or hear in in the still small voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives to get up and run the race. But we see that men went before us. This isn't new. This isn't something that we are called to bear alone. Others have done this as well. And so think about these folks in Hebrews chapter 11 as you're running this race tonight. It will give you courage. It should. It sure should. And now I would like to bring it home right now to 2019. There are some gray-haired ladies and men in the front tonight who have weathered some storms years ago, before you and I was even born. Can we take courage? Can we be strengthened by the faith of the elderly tonight? And maybe sometimes if we're really struggling and wrestling, maybe just sit down with one of those gray-haired folks and say, how did you do it?
What did you do? Were you ever, have you ever experienced this? Have you ever been faced with this tremendous temptation in your life? How do I relate when the burden seems so heavy and I can't go on? How do we get up and go again? How do we do it? We don't have a choice tonight but to run the race. Those of us who put our faith in Jesus. We didn't, have, we didn't ask to be created. We didn't ask to be born in this era of time. But here we are. And God has said, I will give you what you need to run this race for me. So look at the heroes of faithfulness around you in verse 1. Secondly, in verse 1, we're called to lay aside every weight. Lay it aside. Don't worry in life. You know, sometimes God puts us in experiences in life where we aren't able to do anything. We realize that the only way we're going to be able to get out of this is by his help and by his power. Nehemiah 8.10 says, The joy of the Lord is our strength. And I believe that if you haven't experienced times in your life where you know that there's no way to get out of this, it's impossible with men, but with God all things are possible. If you haven't experienced something like that in your life already, God will bring you to those experiences in your life to help us realize that we need Him. We cannot... Listen, friends, the older I get, and I'm still a young man, But the older I get, the more I realize that I'm not even capable of taking one step without God holding my hand, without Him helping me take that step in faith with Him to run this race that is before me. I don't have enough ability in my own own enablement to run this race successfully. I remember in Los Angeles, in downtown L.A., in the Cecil Hotel, 14 stories up, we were coming down to the second floor. We wanted to get on the elevator and come down to the second floor where we were going to have a time of prayer and worship before we went out onto the streets and began to continue evangelizing there in, uh, in downtown L.A. And there was a lot of us that was running late that particular morning as we came to the elevator and was trying to get on. There was a whole group of us here. And so the elevator door swings open. The one elevator was broken. There was two, but the one wasn't working, and this was the only one that was working. And so as many of us as possible that could get on that elevator, did. And I remember I was the last one to step onto that elevator. The door came shut. You know, we're talking a little, what is that, 6 by 10 cubicle, something like that is what an elevator is in a, in a motel or um, a hospital or wherever. That door came shut, and when the door came shut, the lights in that elevator went off. And the elevator died, and we knew that we were hanging 14 stories in the air with no place to go or not not knowing how to get out. Of course, what do we do? We try to pry the door open. Well, there's no way. It is wedged tight. There's no way. And we had some big fellows in there about as, you know, as my size or so and a little little more or less. And we tried to pry that open and we couldn't. So what do we do? We tried to find the, the buttons on the side of the elevator and contact the front desk and we weren't able to get through to them. And there were some other pan- um, moments of panic there of trying to figure out what we were going to do. And it was pretty soon that we understood that there was, there was absolutely nothing that we were going to be able to do to save ourselves. There were some husbands on that elevator with their wives outside. There were some wives on that elevator with their, with their husbands outside. There were some friends that were separated. There was just a few of us, but it was a full few of us. You know, we ignored the weight capacity at the top, which was like 2,000 pounds or 2,500 pounds. We just were trying to get to the second story to have our conference uh, devotionals down there. What are you going to do in a moment like that? You know, I, in my mind, when you began to panic, there was a lady in the, in the back part of the elevator that began to tell us. She says, listen, 
I don't do very well under these kind of circumstances, okay? And she looked at her, and she began to get white in the face. She was getting pale. The oxygen level runs out pretty quickly whenever you have that many people in such a confined space. In my mind, I'm starting to see in the, in the headlines in the paper tomorrow, 14 Mennonites die in elevator because of it. <laughs> Fear kind of gripped our hearts. What are we supposed to do? And so what do you do in a moment like that when there's nothing, nothing we can do? What do you do in a time like that? And, of course, we cry out to God. I'll tell you the rest of that story just so that I don't leave you hanging. That elevator was inching its way down the whole time. We never realized it, but it was moving so slow. And we got all the way down, 10 minutes later or so, that elevator door popped open about three inches. We got the whole way down, past the second floor, past the first floor, down into the basement of that, mot- of that motel. And the elevator was still going down as that, ele- as that door popped open about two or three inches. And we had everybody step up out of that elevator about two feet onto the concrete floor of that basement. Now, Noah prepared an ark. And he told people to please come into that ark. And he pled with people to come into that ark. And they said he was the craziest man on the earth. It never rained before and it's never going to rain. What's the matter with you? Noah and his family goes into that ark. And who shut the door? God did. God shut that door. You can call me what you want to tonight. That's fine. But I'm a believer tonight that the only reason that I'm standing here able to still minister the word of God is because our God in heaven was not finished with the souls on that elevator that night. And he helped pop that door open. Now, there's probably some mechanical way that that elevator door popped open as well. And I, so I, I give credit where credit's due. But I still am a believer that God chose to pop that door open where three of us threw our hands in air and pulled that door back and helped people escape. We helped the dear sister, who was 50, 55 years old probably, get up out of that elevator where she fell back along the wall. And she wasn't able to be with us the rest of that week or weekend because it had just done her in uh, so much. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that in life where the only thing you can do is cry out to God for help? I love those kind of stories and I love those kind of situations because it helps men get rid of their machoism. It helps men understand that toughness is not what it takes to live a successful Christian life. In fact, men who are willing to be broken, men who are willing to have a humble spirit, men who have a broken and a contrite spirit, our God will not despise and he will help us get up and run the race if we're willing to say, God, I need your help. I need your help tonight. God, I'm not in a place where, where I know that I'm, in, I'm not in a good place. I need your help. Will you help me? God wants to hear our cry. He wants us to acknowledge that we need help. And if we're going to run this race, that is, a, that is an attitude that we must have with us, men and women, as we run this race. Thirdly tonight, we're to lay down that sin that so easily besets us. I'm a believer tonight. That every one of us in this audience, every one of us in this world has a besetting sin. (laughs) And what I mean by a besetting sin is a sin that is just maybe our greatest weakness. Everybody has a certain sin that they just find that have found themselves over the years habitually, continually falling into that sin. And it may be simple sin of pride. It may be the sin of gossip. It may be the sin of lust. It may be the sin of selfishness. Time without God. It may be the sin of discouragement and doubt and anger but there is a besetting sin that you and I wrestle with and that we have to we have to really toil with and wonder why does it have to continually come and knock me down 
And I live in a heart in a spirit of discouragement and depression sometimes. And friends, I, my heart goes out to those who are in that state tonight. And it's not as easy as it sounds. And I don't want to, I don't want to undermine that tonight. There's many who live in the, in the besetting sin of jealousy and bitterness and hatred and envy. Criticisms. There was many of us that responded to Wednesday night's message of the spirit of unforgiveness and the spirit of criticism. We recognize that. Listen, that's the things that knock us flat on our face and helps us not to be able to run the race for God because we're not, we're not receiving his power. We're not listening to Jesus as our daddy telling us to get up and run. What is your besetting sin tonight? What is it? And in the quietness of the moment, just let the Holy Spirit minister that sin to you. I believe the Holy Spirit is able to do that to every one of us and has already done it right now. That besetting sin has to be crucified, has to be laid down, has to be washed in the blood of Jesus, has to be redeemed because of what, he, of what he's able to help us do. Fourthly tonight, how to run this race effectively is in verse 1 again. It's run with patience. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize? So run that ye may obtain. Run with patience here. You say, what in the world does that mean? Run with patience? How do you run with patience? This is what patience means. Run with endurance. Run with persistence. Run with determination. Run with purpose. Remember we talked last night a little bit about God's purpose for our life. Believe that God has a purpose for everything that we face in life. Romans 8.28 is one of my most favorite verses. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. Those who hear the daddy, hear Jesus on the sidelines saying, Come and follow me and this is how I want you to walk. And we hear and see and believe and trust him that he has a purpose. And we run accordingly. This race tonight that we're called to run is not just for the person. Ecclesiastes 9.11 would tell us it's not just for the person who can run the fastest. It's not for the person who can jump the highest. It's not for the person who has the most natural abilities that can outdo everybody else that's going to win it. And nobody else will. That's not, that's not enough tonight. Natural abilities are not enough. We need to run by faith. Not by sight. And that is such a simple message to run by faith and not by sight, but there is way too many of us that are prone to run by sight and not by faith. It is just so easy to see what is going on around me and focus on that and dwell on that. And the enemy is so very good at just helping us roll that thing around in our minds and roll that thing around in our minds and we live in defeat because we can't get that thing that, run, that, of, that we see with our physical eyes out of our minds. Remember tonight that as human beings, we're not able to see things from God's all-divine, all-knowing perspective. But God is calling you and he's calling me tonight to trust my heart. God's saying, trust my plans. Trust my purpose. Believe that what I have for you is for your best interest. Do you believe that tonight? That what God has in mind for us as we, as we put our faith in Him, as we surrender our lives wholeheartedly to Him, that it is what is for our best interest. It is for our best good. We just need to learn to get ourselves out of the way. Fifthly tonight, verse 2 says, Look unto Jesus, 
Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. He's from the beginning to the end. He knows no limits. He knows no boundaries. He's able to do the impossible in our lives. Just look unto me, he says. I said it last night. Let's just sing it tonight. The chorus, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory and grace. If we can get a hold of that and really by faith, accept that. I believe it's truth. <laughs> I believe that song is truth. The things of this life will just not disappear, but they'll grow strangely dim. We'll remember that we're strangers and pilgrims, and we still have to deal with these things, but we can do it with, without our, our power and strength. We do it with God's. And sometimes just the shift of the focus is what it takes for us to move on and live in victory. Stay Jesus-focused. Stay Jesus-focused as we run this race. We must do it. We can't afford not to do it. We must stay Jesus-focused. We must focus on his strength and not our own. And you know what happens when a person is willing to do this? His attitude in life changes. The man who was grumpy and disgruntled and very negative, always saw the cup half empty instead of half full, suddenly has a smile on his face. There's joy in his heart. There's a peace that passes all understanding that he testifies about because his focus is on Jesus. Stay Jesus-focused tonight. Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Number six tonight, whom God loves, he chastens. God looks down from heaven tonight and he looks into the valley, the valley of discouragement, the valley of despair, the valley of death, and he says, Son, I love you. And there's some times where we just need to fall on our face and accept that very fact. Jesus loves me. After all that I've done, Jesus still loves me. Tonight, if you are, if you are finding chastening in your heart, if you're finding chastening in your life, whom God loves, he chastens. God loves you. God loves you. Jesus loves the children of this world for sure. He loves us as well. And we need to just let that be saturated into our minds and our hearts. That we are loved unconditionally. Sometimes when we have been told things as a little fellow growing up. What type of a person we are and that we're going to go to hell because we have too much pride in our hearts. And there's all kinds of things that can crowd out that loving father that's just ready to pour out. His grace and His mercy into our lives. And we aren't able to see that always. Our earthly dads tonight have such an impression of the way we view our Heavenly Father. Yes, we do. We dads have such a role model to play as we try to love our families as Jesus loves the church. And that's a whole message in and of itself. Whom God loves tonight, He chastens. I have some verses in 1 Timothy 6. Verses 11 and 12. You can go there and read those. I'm not going to take the time. It's time to close this message. There is a victor's prize tonight. Brother Robert, you talked about that crown that God will give us if we're faithful, if we endure, if we run faithfully, wholeheartedly. 
for the Lord. There is a, there is a victor's crown to be received. And I want to bring just some encouragement to the, elder, to the older ones here tonight. And you can determine who you are. Maybe that's all of us, but whatever your age is. Isaiah chapter 40. Some verses of encouragement for you. Verse 29 of Isaiah 40 says, He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. So it's not just for the elderly, it's for the younger as well. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. When we win, friends, God cheers and the angels rejoice. And there is a celebration. There is, there is, there is the throne room of heaven. The Father and the Son is at His right hand. And there is, there is a watching over His own. And there is the guardian angels that are with us here tonight. But when we win, when we are willing to get up off our face and say, Yes, I need your help. I cry out to you for grace to go. God cheers and the angels rejoice. Please don't quit is the prayer tonight. When things go wrong as they sometimes will, when the road you're trudging seems all uphill, when the funds are low and the debts are high and you want to smile but you have to sigh, when care is pressing you down a bit, rest if you must, but don't you quit. Life is queer with its twists and turns, as, many, as every one of us sometimes learns. And many a failure turns about when he might have won had he stuck it out. Don't give up, though the pace seems slow. You may succeed with another blow. Often the goal is nearer than it seems to a faint and faltering man. Often the struggler has given up when he might have captured the victor's cup. And he learned too late when the night slipped down how close he was to the golden crown. Success is failure turned inside out the silver tint of the clouds of doubt. And you never can tell how close you are it may be near when it seems so far. So stick to the fight when your heart is hit. It's when things seem worst that you must not quit. You're here tonight and you say, I've fallen too many times. I just can't get up anymore. George Eliot makes this quote. He says, the only thing worse than falling, friends, is refusing to get back up. Refusing to forsake that sin, refusing to forsake that burden that is weighing you down and getting back up and running the race that God is so clearly calling us to tonight. That's the only thing worse than falling. The only thing worse tonight than responding at a revival meeting if there's a burden on your heart is refusing that and forsaking that and, and, re, and not being willing to repent of that sin. That is what is far worse than what any man or woman may think of you for getting out of your pew and coming forward tonight when Jesus calls your name. That's the only thing that is worse. That's the only thing that is worse. Please, tonight, don't quit. Don't quit. To win is to get back up. And if you fall down, get back up. And if you fall down, get back up. And if you fall down, get back up. And you should hopefully start falling less, but you're going to fall some more. So get back up and run the race that God is calling you to. Are you willing to do that tonight? Oh, I'm a believer tonight, dear ones, that it's going to be worth it all. Every heartache, every trial, every disappointment is going to be worth it all. And that's going to be erased when we see Jesus face to face. Do you believe it will be worth it all when we see Jesus? Then please, friends, don't quit running this race that God's called us to tonight. Let's bow our heads. God, have mercy on us. Pour out your love upon us tonight. Show us your will. Show us your direction. 
Lead us, O Father. And Jesus, we just pray that your life would be impressed upon our minds and our hearts. We would understand that you have been tempted in all points like as we are, yet without sin. You, have, you are able to identify with every single one of us here tonight. You understand. And you're here to take that burden away. You're here to give us new life in Jesus. Lord, I pray for the struggling soul tonight. You would give them the courage to come and find rest, find peace, find joy in Jesus. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.